Well, we're on a series on the blood. So, uh, of course, we're going to sing on the blood, and we're going to talk about the blood, and we're going to preach about the blood, and we're going to pray about the blood. Thank God for the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that it's not according to our good works. It's not according to our even ability. It's not according to our understanding but it, that we come to you. But it is by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the power in his blood. That his blood has redeemed us and his blood has set us free and his blood has given us victory and his blood has cleansed and uh, cleaned up our conscience. We thank you for the power of the blood. We thank you for your spirit that wherever the blood flows, your spirit goes. So Father, we thank you today for your spirit uh, giving us your words to speak and opening up and giving light to everyone that hears to your words making them real to us, taking them uh, from just pages in a book or on a device and making them real and tangible. Father, we thank you. We pray that every one of us, that we would hear with the ears of our spirit today what you have said and what you are saying in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's uh, pick up uh, kind of where we left off last week, and that's in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 7 through 10 to start with. 1 John 1, 7 through 10. And then at some point, you might just want to take note real quick of a bunch of verses because uh, once I get done with the introduction, um, assuming I get done with the introduction, uh, we, we will go through like a lot of verses uh, today uh, about the blood because... God's words are what change your life and your perspective and your vision. And without a vision, you can't run. So you've got to have a vision of the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus will actually set you free if you ever realize what it is. And if you come by, like we talked about last week, Romans 3.25, faith in his blood. If you come to God through faith in his blood, and you begin to realize the power of his blood, it changes everything. Instead of trying to live from a place where you have to be good enough and you have to uh, you know, suffer for your mistakes and pay for your mistakes, somebody has to pay, somebody has to pay. Somebody, you find out that somebody did pay with their very lifeblood. And... Uh, it sets you in a different place so that you're not trying to clean yourself up enough or do uh, what uh, you believe is the right thing in order to get God to like you. Uh, that's too late. He already likes you. <laughs> Just back up a couple verses there from Romans chapter 3, 25. I think it's what, 23. Uh, 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 While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Or one translation says, Christ died for the ungodly. So don't everybody raise your hands, but if you're ungodly, you qualify now. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, well, I, I am uh, I'm definitely very godly. Well... You get in the presence of the Lord and you say, woe is me. 
I'm an unclean man with unclean lips. I'm talking that as a saint of God. When you get in the presence of perfect holiness, which has been uh, declared over you when you're united with Christ, but still you live in the flesh. Brother Hagin used to come up behind you, especially if he really liked you, and pinch you as hard as he could. Just, I guess, so you knew you still had flesh. I don't know, but I think he just had fun. And so, uh, you know, um, sometimes your flesh can trip you up, uh, but the blood of Jesus paid the price. So you don't have to be dominated by your flesh. You don't have to be dominated by addictions. Uh, but if you keep trying to conquer those things from your own ability and your own power, uh, you'll get very frustrated and very uh, defeated feeling. So sometimes the best thing you can do is kind of give up. Like quit trying to resist those addictions, is what I'm telling you. It sounds like contrary, right? Like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to resist them? Well, you're trying to do it in your own strength. The Bible says, it doesn't say be strong in yourself to resist these things. It says be strong in the Lord. The Lord, uh, Paul said, the Lord is the strength of my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he talked about living by faith. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said that... Um, uh, you know, lest I myself should be a castaway. I live by faith. I trust the Lord. And so uh, we're not trusting ourselves. If you're trusting yourselves, I, I don't know if you're a Christian. Now, you can cr be a Christian and trust yourself and get very frustrated. Uh, but you're certainly not living like one. So this is where you pick up right here in First uh, John chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light. Think about that. We might not get beyond the introduction. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. That means it's possible. And not only is it possible. It is what we should be doing. So you can walk in the light the same way that Jesus himself is in the light. So you don't have to walk in darkness. But you can actually walk in light. Well, what does that mean? That means like go from uh, here to the back of the auditorium? No, that's your lifestyle, how you're living your life. You can live life in the light. You know, as he is, so are we in this world. So think about that. Uh, do you think that Jesus is uh, depressed today? Uh, do you think that he walks in depression do you think that he is sick and he walks in sickness? Do you think that he is full of fear and worry and anxiety and he can only grab it if he can figure it out with his natural human mind? No, as he is, so are we in this world. And if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, have you ever been with a group of believers and uh, you're together, maybe in a, a, a setting like this or another setting, and and you just like, maybe even a home alone, but you have come to draw near to God. And you saw things so clearly concerning the things of God. 
maybe even concerning your life and decisions that you were asking the Lord, what should I do? And all of a sudden, in that atmosphere, where God was sort of in a tangible way, maybe you couldn't, like, feel, but you just knew on the inside, or maybe you could feel, sometimes you can feel, but you, you, you had that light, you were walking in the light as he is in the light. So you saw things the way he sees them. Imagine your greatest difficulty right now in your life. You know, the greatest difficulty in your life could be problems in someone else's life. If you've got children uh, and they're grown and they're away from the Lord, that could be your greatest difficulty in life. Right? I give other examples, but that's, that's the, the one that comes to me right now. So, uh, but imagine the perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ on the biggest problem that faces you right now. Imagine if you could just have his perspective and his thoughts on it. Have his light on it. So, if we walk in the light, that means we can do it. Say, I can walk in the light just like Jesus walks in the light. I'm going to say that. We're going to say that again. I can walk in the light just like Jesus walks in the light. Now let's say it a little different. I walk in the light just like Jesus walks in the light. Well, what is this word of faith that we preach, Paul said? It is the word of God that if you believe and speak, you will have it. So you may feel like, I don't walk in the light. Well, as long as you keep believing that and saying, I don't walk in the light, that's other people, you'll never have it. So if you want to have it, you first have to believe what God said more than what you can figure out and what you can see and what you have experienced. And if you believe God like that, it will cause you to want to speak. And then you can actually speak what God has said about you. And if you believe and speak that way, you better buckle up and get ready for the scenery to change. You know, like I used to, I uh, grew up in northern Indiana, so I, I was like three hours, three and a half hours from Cedar Point, an amusement park called Cedar Point, which is called America's Roller Coast. And it has more roller coasters in any one spot than any other place in the entire world. So we'd get into the roller coaster, because I loved roller coasters, still, I still do like them. Uh, we were going to go this year, but because of COVID, you know, I didn't want to wear a mask and try to breathe on a roller coaster. Anyhow, and so uh, we went on this roller coaster, one of the oldest ones they have. It's called the Blue Streak. And when I, I'll show my age, but when I used to get on the Blue Streak, all you had was this bar that was like flat. It wasn't curved towards your body like a harness like that. It was just flat. And so it would be up like this. You get in the car, and it comes down flat like that. So you have... Like about, can you see this, KJ? So you have like about this much space, especially when you're a little guy. And I was always a skinny guy. And so I started riding when I was, I don't know how old, but very young. Lots of different rules then. And so you go up over these hills, and man, uh, you get some air. And then, I don't know, when I was a young teenager, probably middle school, they put in seatbelts. So then you could also have seatbelts, but we learned you just leave the seatbelt loose. 
And then once I got into my 20s, then they put these tighter seat belts, and then it's like a bar that they, they, they make sure it pushes down on your lap because there were too many people like me probably, um, and it was too dangerous. And so uh, uh, you're, you're strapped in and, uh, you know, buckled in. Well, then they got these rides like that go upside down and uh, these other rides that go like, I don't know, 120 miles an hour, I think that dragster one or whatever. I've been there for a few years. Anyhow, you kind of want to be buckled up if the ride is going to be that intense. So I'm telling you, if you ever start to live by faith, that means you're going to experience things in your life that only could be accredited to God himself. So you might want to buckle up. Because Cedar Point, sometimes they have the tallest roller coaster, but then the competitor gets the tallest roller coaster, and, you know, it goes around the world that, for that title, you know, whoever has the tallest and fastest. And now they're so tall and fast, I don't really want to do them. <laughs> um, but the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and has no sorrow, so I'm sure there's no, no end to the height I want to go with God. Praise the Lord. So if we walk in the light, that's just a little faith lesson. You understand? You got to, sometimes you, we, well, always, we have to get beyond ourselves. Because sometimes we're like, Lord, can you please change the situation? I can't believe these people are doing this, or this company's doing this, or why is this going on, or how come this is happening? And we're trying to direct our efforts in seeking God to get him to change other people or other things. But the problem is actually right underneath our own nose. You ever seen these pictures of, I apologize uh, to the men this morning, but it's true, whether you want to admit it or not. But the pictures of the guy, like, looking in the refrigerator, and whatever he's looking for is, like, right in front of his face, and therefore he cannot see it. I mean, this happens to me multiple times a week. And just, like, two days ago, I said something about, where's the ketchup? And it's, like, right here. And I'm like, oh, it's right there. It's right there. It's right in front of my face if I would just look and see it. But as a man, I know it's not there because I, I've looked and it's not there. Now, ladies, I don't think I have the same problem, but uh, the illustration I'm trying to say is sometimes we are totally convinced it's not there. And actually, if we could back up like five feet, we would see our nose almost hit it. It's so close. So, one of my other favorite illustrations along this line is, you know, uh, the guy that uh, was eating Lindberger cheese. Have you ever had Lindberger cheese? My wife's family and my wife, they love all these cheeses that just stink like <laughs> horrible. You think like, did you go into the bathroom and pull that out? Like, where did you get the cheese? Okay? And so, they, they love all these cheeses. They spent some time in Europe and everything, so they have a lot more cheesy things. <laughs> I don't know. Jesus. And so, uh, Limburger cheese, it stinks. And so there's this story of this guy who had a mustache, and he was eating Limburger cheese and got some on his mustache. And so he's in the kitchen, and he says to, you know, he says to himself, he says, man, it stinks in here. And so he goes to another part of the kitchen, and he's like, it stinks over here. And so he said, well, I'm going to get out of the kitchen. I'm going to go in the living room. I want some fresh air. This really stinks. So he goes into the living room, and he's like, 
stinks in here. So I don't want to make the story too long because I don't have that much time right now. So he goes outside. He steps out foot. He's like, ah, oh, finally, fresh air. Oh! He said, the whole world stinks. Well, the problem was right under his nose. But he thinks it's his environment. He thinks it's because I'm in this room, this is why it stinks. So I'm going to go to this part of the room. Well, no, it stinks here too. Well, I'm going to go to another room. Oh, it stinks here. I'm going to go outside of this whole building. It still stinks. Why? He's still there. He has not fixed what is under his nose. And so... Uh, Sometimes we're trying to look externally for God to act and to move. And it's actually internally. I know I had an experience uh, at the, a church where I was an associate pastor. And, uh, you know, there uh, were some things that, from my perspective, I thought should be different. Uh, and um, so, and verifiably, and in hindsight so, there were, there were some other associate pastor that were not acting in a godly way. And so it kind of bothered me, of course, you know, because you're, you're working with the Lord and the things of the Lord. But uh, I guess I let it have the wrong place in my life. So I'm like, Lord, like you gotta, can you please fix this situation? Like they're like hurting people and harming people and all this type of stuff, and it affects lots of people. And so it's not a good situation. And this is not exceptional to this church. Like you have a group of people come together. The thing is, you're going to have imperfection coming together. <laughs> and so, um, so I'm not uh, disparaging that church at all. A wonderful church. So um, I, I kept seeking the Lord about it. And uh, I remember where I was. I walked, uh, it's an auditorium that seats 4,300 people. It was a very large church, 7,500 people a week attended on average. So during the school year, not during the summer because it's Michigan, so they were at the lake. And so, <laughs> and so I'm walking out of the auditorium towards like this uh, sound studio we had for mixing um, this, the live stream feed and stuff. And if you're watching by the live stream, we are so glad you're here. And um, it's, uh, we're thankful that we're able to have an environment where we're warm to talk to you so that my lips are not freezing. And, uh, and so um, I'm walking, and the Lord made a scripture come alive to me in my spirit. Notice he's trying to give me, what, faith to step out on. And it was uh, Philippians, uh, was it 2.10 or something like that? Anyhow, uh, Philippians chapter 2 in the middle there. And the scripture was, this is the words that came in my spirit, was all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. And I said, that's right, Lord. That's exactly what those guys are doing. <laughs> and the Lord didn't say anything back except for all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. And I said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I, we're on the same page. You got my back. And the third time, that scripture stirred within me again. But this time, I was a little slower about it. 
And it was like, all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. And I was like, and the Lord said, because I gave him a, you know, the Bible says to be still and know that I am the Lord. So, you know, this is the third time he's saying the same thing to me. So I was a little bit more like open to see what else or why are you telling me this? Because, you know, I felt like Peter, you know, I do love you, Lord. He's like, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me? I, yeah, I love you. You know, the third time he gets a little bit offended, like, Lord, I'm saying I love you. So the third time, all men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. And so then he said, I was open and looking, like, why do you keep saying this? And he said, just as clear as he said the scripture, he said, what about you? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and honest to him, I was like, well, we're not talking about me. <laughs> Because my perspective was so like, I could clearly see they should not be doing this. Like, actions full of pride, all kind of stuff, right? And I'm like, they should not be doing this. But you know, the Lord's taking care of that. Not really my responsibility to take care of that. My responsibility is to take care of me. You sometimes you can get so like um, self-righteous that actually God resists you because it's called pride and he resists the proud but he gives what to the humble? Grace. Man, we need God's grace active in our life because when I have God's grace active in my life, I can do things that I thought were impossible because I did it on his behalf. Or he did it using me as a channel and an outlet for his love, his power, his glory, his peace, his purpose, his presence, right? Because every believer, every one of us, if you're a believer, you carry the spirit of God himself on the inside of you because of the power of the blood of Jesus, right? So that, that um, time with the Lord changed my life just through that one verse and I know because I know him as much depth as I have found in that verse over the last how many years ago that been like 13 years okay something like that as much depth and meat as I have found theirs to sustain me there is way more in that same verse where that came from. There's no end to the wisdom of God and the depth in the things of God. And the, the, the words he spoke to me, he did not speak to condemn me. And he did not speak it with an attitude or a tone of condemnation. Do you know he did not even address what the other people were doing? I'm with me. So what I was seeing and my focus was on, he changed my focus. So a situation that I could have just been like, oh, I can't believe they did that and walked away with that. And then, you know, 
some things came out publicly and everybody could then see like, well, this is a really bad situation and they had to go through a bunch of other stuff. And so, uh, which is very, uh, the recovery stuff is fortunate, but the other stuff is unfortunate. It's never good when a, a minister or a non-minister falls. It's never good. Even if you knew like, oh, I could tell by their lifestyle that this was going to happen, that should, No. You, you, you plead the blood of Jesus over them. That the, the power of the blood of Jesus and what he did can free them from that. You don't know, you don't know what demons they faced. You might have done worse in the exact same situation. Right? So you just don't touch that. I like T.L. Osborne. He said, you just don't touch that in thought life. <laughs> just leave that alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> He's like, he'd like to know about all this, you know, but just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Uh, because that's not really uh, our place to do that. And, um, you know, who are you that criticizes a servant of the Lord? I remember uh, Kenneth Hagin said one time he was with a, a group of ministers and uh, there was a, another minister in their same kind of fellowship there that uh, had uh, fallen, had some issues, and uh, he... He didn't agree with how the guy was acting before that time. And he was standing around with three or four other ministers and uh, uh, they were just saying some bad things about this guy that had just fallen, you know? And he didn't say anything, he walked away. And uh, the Lord said to him, who are you that criticizes another man's servant? Brought that scripture to him. He's like, Lord, I didn't say anything. And he said, you stood there while they said all of that and you said nothing. That's tantamount to you saying it. I wish I had a pen I could just drop. <laughs> so you can't do that outside because you couldn't hear it, but you do it inside. Okay. So uh, sometimes we kind of make an excuse to hang around, uh, you know, things that are whatever and not say different things. You know, he told a story. I grew up as a free Methodist, and so my family has a long history on my mother's side in the free Methodist church for a few generations there. Maybe not real long, but for the United States, it's long. <laughs> they come over from Europe and look at our buildings. We're like, this is so old. This is 200 years old. And they're like, that's so young. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, there was a, a guy by the name of uh, Mr. Smith that... Um, Kenneth Hagin knew, and when he went out to start preaching and came back to visit, uh, the guy was 89, just, re just ready to turn 90 years old. And uh, he had uh, done some work for him, and uh, there was a guy in their town who's, this is how old Brother Hagin was, uh, the guy was in World War One, not two, World War One, And when he was in World War One, he got shell-shocked and PTSD, they didn't have that term back then, but and, you know, he had a bad reaction to everything he had seen and experienced. And so he would just get drunk a lot. And when he got drunk, he would um, just tear up the town. And the only person in the whole town that could take uh, care of him uh, was a certain sheriff in town. And so he could calm him down. Well, one of the times uh, uh, in the course, so he would terrorize the whole town. When we got drunk, he didn't know what he was going to do, and everybody's afraid of him. And so... Uh, one night, this, this guy uh, got drunk and 
you know, terrorized the town, and he had a big old knife. And he came at the sheriff, and he said, I'm not calming down this time. One of us is going to die. It's either you or it's me. So, of course, the sheriff's like, well, you know, thinking that's not going to happen, but he's like, I'm certainly not going to die. And so uh, he had to, uh, ended up having to kill the guy. So the guy died, and the whole town, it's the talk of the whole town, oh, I'm so glad he's dead. I'm so glad he's gone. That was horrible. Blah, blah, blah. Can't believe it. Oh, it was, you know, worst thing ever. And uh, so Brother Hagen shows up to work the next day, and the whole guys he's working with, the young guys, they're talking about the same thing. And uh, then the boss comes, who is Mr. Smith, free Methodist, believer, but free Methodist. So he, uh, he came, and he heard him talking about him, and he said, you know, he really had pretty eyes. He found something good to say about him, right? So Brother Higgins traveling, comes back to town and sees Mr. Smith at 89, just about turned 90. This is years after that. And, uh, you know, he said, uh, I got all my hair. I haven't lost any of my hair. Look, see all my hair? He had all of his hair, full head of hair, 89 years old, 90. He said, and this is, you know, I don't know, maybe some older people understand it, but younger people might not. Um, so some of the younger people. A lot of people used to lose their teeth a lot more often than they do now because they didn't have the same type of dental care that we have. And so he said, I got all my teeth. Right? Then none of his teeth. You know, the Lord, uh, I asked the Lord to keep my teeth, and he did. I asked the Lord to keep my hair, and he did. And Kenneth Hagin said, when I heard him tell that, he said, you know, until, I, until he said that to me, I was starting to go bald. He said, I wish I'd have heard that sooner. He said, but if you notice, look at pictures of me, I haven't lost any more hair since then, and a few have grown back. That's not healing, that's faith. Okay, so anyhow, so he did that, and then he said, Mr. Smith turned, and, uh, you know, he said, I haven't been sick in 40 years. He said, a minister came to our church when I was about uh, 45, I think it was, and he said, he gave an invitation for people to come forward to receive Jesus as their healer, just as they had come and receive him as their Lord. He said, so I accepted that invitation, and I haven't been sick since. And he said, you can ask my wife, 89 years old, he said, ask my wife, I'm as much a man now as I was at 23. And uh, Kenneth Hagin said, he said, I looked at his wife, and he said, I did not ask her. But she nodded and smiled and said, yes. He said, then Mr. Smith turned and walked away. And as he's walking away, he stopped and he turned back. And he went to Kenneth Hagin and he said, he grabbed his tongue. And he said, I asked the Lord to help me keep this. No, the Bible says, let he that would love life and see many days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. He said, then I remembered the situation with the guy from World War I that had the PTSD. And he said, I thought, I've never heard him say a bad thing about anyone. Well, isn't that amazing? He kept his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. And he kept his health.
Walk in love. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. The number of your days I will fulfill. So sometimes we're looking externally like, Lord, why is this sickness keep attacking me? Or why is this disease come? Or why is this happen? Why is that happen? And we're trying to say like, Lord, like, you, you stop the devil from bringing these things against me. Yet the whole time we have our guard down because we're not walking in love. When you walk in love, the God kind of love, in the light as he is in the light, the devil can't touch you. What's he going to do? He's going to try to touch your mouth and get you to say something to give him access. It's so easy as a human being, I know because I am one, like to, to, to look down on someone or start to judge them or say this or say that or have you heard the latest? Do you know what's happening? Well, if you catch yourself doing that, say, yeah, let's pray for them. Have you prayed for them yet? Let's pray for them. Let's bring them before the throne of God. And the, I purposely, I purposely force myself to, to, to stir up the consciousness that, you know what, I might not have done that sin or fell in that way, but there's ways that I'm probably tempted that they're not tempted. In other words, I don't let those, those, those things uh, stay there. Brother Hagin used to say, he said, I refuse to have, allow the least bit of animosity or ill will or anything to remain in my life concerning anyone. It'll affect your health. Somebody said, well, how does that affect your health? Well, Mark eleven twenty two, 22, Jesus said, have faith in God. Whoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and not down in his heart, but believe those, uh, shall not down in his heart, but believe those things he says will come to pass, will have whatsoever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. If you have the slightest little thing against anyone, when you stand praying, forgive. That's in the same basic breath of the faith, the, the, probably the most significant thing ever said on faith through the lips of Jesus. When you stand praying, forgive if you have anything, the slightest little thing, against anyone. That your Father in heaven may forgive you. Whoa! Does that apply to a New Testament believer? <laughs> if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. Isn't God amazing? You think like, I just went off on like some whole other subject, whatever, you know. I'm just following the Lord and I was wondering myself. <laughs> but did you just... Did you just hear what we just read? Think of what we just ministered on. All right, now listen to this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
Realize we were just talking for 20, 30 minutes about walking in the light. You get to know all the gossip, all these other things, the judging. That's walking in darkness. That's not walking in light. If we walk in the light, as he's in the light. If I'm talking about you, how am I having an intimate, close relationship with you, which is fellowship, right? We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Instead of me being focused on this other uh, minister's, uh, what do you call it, uh, missteps, right? The Lord, not because of me, but because of him, and then I responded to him, the Lord put me in a place, instead of being in a place where I would maybe judge and get on the devil's territory, he put me in a place through my obedience to him to have cleansing from all sin. So where I could have sinned greatly, he threw me a rope to get me out of that. Hallelujah. If we say, verse 8, that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. I was like trying to tell the Lord, like, I'm not the one with the sin problem here. This dude is the one with the sin problem. <laughs> what? I'm entering into a realm where I am deceived. Right? And the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? What do you think the Lord's trying to get me to do when he said, what about you? I'm like, we are not talking about me. The audacity of a man to talk to God that way, right? He wasn't mad at me. Jesus lived as a man in flesh and blood and bone body and experienced all of the temptations uh, there is no temptation uh, such as common to man. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Wait a minute. The faith man himself is touched with feelings. He was in all points tempted just like us, yet without sin. Why? So he could be the perfect offering for our sin and set us forever free from the power of that sin and purge, Hebrews says, purge our consciences by the blood of Jesus from the very consciousness of sin. That the very, uh, you know, somebody like, well, they're just subconsciously, you're acting like that because subconsciously they're, they're full of pride or subconsciously they think this or subconsciously that. That's okay. Jesus went beyond even the subconscious and his blood purges the very conscience, the very heart of a man or a woman from sin. So don't ever resist the blood of Jesus and what his blood has done for you and your situation. 
Don't, don't walk in pride and say, I have done something that is too bad. Like, uh, you know, like you, sometimes we think, I woke up today or yesterday or last week or last month or whenever, and I did something that even shocked God. No, there is no sin. I've had people say this, being a minister, sometimes people will say it. You know, oh, pastor, I would not want to ever tell you the things that I have done. And sometimes I say, well, you, you might be surprised what people have said to me. <laughs> so we think like, you know, my, my sin is a special sin. My sin is so bad, God will not forgive me. God's mad at me forever. That is a lie from the father of lies. The value of something, the way you place value on something is the price that someone is willing to pay for it. So God had just one son and he paid the price for your life so that you wouldn't have to live dominated by whatever your flesh wants to do, dominated by your own stinking thinking. He paid the price to set you free. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, is the thief who has just come, or has come only to steal, kill, and destroy. So whatever you're facing in your life, is it stealing from you? It may steal money. It may steal health. It may steal something, I think, more precious than both of those, which is time. There are people that are in heaven now that until I get to heaven, I can never talk to them again. There's people in hell now that I can never talk to again. Time is so precious. But you are precious because Jesus shed his blood for you so that you could come and be close to God again. You say again? Well, Adam, in the beginning, Adam and Eve walked with God. And that's God's plan for every one of us. He wants every one of us to be with him, not only in relationship, right? Like, so I'm in a relationship with my mom and dad because I am their son. So obviously I have a relation. I'm relation. We relation, right? So I'm related to them. But my parents are not really satisfied with just being in relationship with me. They want to have some fellowship with me. So maybe, maybe you're here today and you're in relationship with God but maybe you're not in fellowship with God. What is, what's that like? Well, that's like Melody and I have a little fight. And uh, we have that fight. So we're in relationship as a husband and wife. But then, like, I go outside. And if she comes into the room, I go into the other room. That's not what you call fellowship. Right? 
she wants that fellowship. I want that fellowship. As soon as she admits, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but God wants you to be close to him, nothing between you. You know, like in a relationship, husband-wife relationship, type of, that type of relationship, or even close friend relationship, sometimes there can be something that's between you. And you just, you can't even talk the same way. Because if you say something, it's going to be misinterpreted. What do you mean by that? Right? Well, in that type of relationship, it could be her or me. But in this type of relationship, I guarantee it's me. <laughs> but that doesn't mean when he says something and I have a broken fellowship that I don't still hear, I don't like you, I don't approve of you. Even with the voice of the perfect master. Because I messed up. My thinking's messed up. I have withdrawn. He doesn't withdraw. I have withdrawn. So he just says, come unto me, all that are weary, and I will give you rest. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Uh, maybe you're watching online or you're here in the room this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Maybe you've never known like you didn't even think it was possible to have God not be mad at you, uh, to have God on your side, to have the Lord like defending you and strengthening you and providing for you and to live a life like Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have it overflowing in abundance. Maybe you don't know that. The, the, you do not get right with God by doing right things. You get right with God by accepting the one who did everything right with eyes on you to grab you out of the deep miry clay and set your feet on a rock that you'd never sink again by receiving Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Savior and as your, as your Lord. If you've never done that, or maybe you have done that, but you just, you just want to make a, a declaration I am coming back, and I am not turning back. I am coming back to God. Maybe you're coming for the first time, or maybe you're coming back. I'm going to pray a prayer in uh, just a few seconds here. And if you want to, uh, if you mean business with God, if you really want his help in your life, and you really want to turn your life over to him or turn it back over to him, then I want you to pray this prayer from your heart with me. And God will show up in your life and on your behalf. And instead of trying to kick against everything, do it yourself, being exhausted, being exasperated, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. He will come and he will strengthen you. And he'll give you vision and restore the purpose that he has for your life to you. And you'll be conscious of that. I want you to make a decision in three seconds. Three two, one. All right, I'm going to pray. If you want to receive Jesus or you want to come back, you can put your hand up on the online thing. You can raise your hand here or you can just pray the prayer as I pray the prayer. Say this after me. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. 
that he died on the cross to take away my sins. To set me free. I believe that you raised him up on the third day. And that he's now at your right hand. And I receive him right now as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I'm not living for myself anymore. I walk in the light as he is in the light. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, that I am now your child, part of your family. Amen.